Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Several weeks ago, we touched some on the devil and some basic ways that he works. And his primary method of working is doubt. To get us to doubt God. To doubt God's word. To doubt Christ. To doubt the spirit of God working in our life. And as we doubt God, we doubt his word, we doubt Christ, we doubt the spirit of God, then the door is open for a host of lies. One of his lies is he tempts us to neglect the creator God and a correct gospel of Christ. He tempts us to doubt his existence. Thus we don't see we're in a spiritual battle. That is, doubt Satan's existence. Thus we ignore how he tempted Eve and the impact of the fall. There's a third lie that I think he promotes. And let's take our Bibles and go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking, preparing his disciples for the time when he will no longer be on earth. John 13 through 17, interacting with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And in John 15, he says, John 15 and verse 1, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. (coughs) Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now as he speaks to his disciples... He makes some interesting comments. The whole issue of remaining, dwelling, abiding in the vine. But in verse 4 he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Verse 5, the latter part of the verse, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, or apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the lies the enemy promotes is to tempt us and lure us to live our Christian life in our own strength, in our own ability rather than in dependency upon Christ and walking with the Spirit.
Jesus says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Have you stopped to ponder and consider and live in light of the fact that you can't live the Christian life? You can't. Well, you say, I can do right. You can't live a fruitful life yourself. How many times does the enemy tempt us to forget that reality? And we may have a form of godliness. We may go through all the motions of Christianity, but not be fruitful. We're concerned about the doing. Well, I went to church, I read my Bible, I prayed, I gave money. But not in a fruitful manner. Not being produced by the Spirit of God. Jesus clearly says, without me, you can do nothing. Think about some qualities that God desires in our life. Humility, gentleness, humbleness, brokenness. They're produced only by the Spirit of God. So someone comes up to you, and you can tell as they come to you that said pray for Lorraine they took her to the hospital must have just happened they think she's having a stroke so let's take a little time in silence and pray for Bud and Lorraine Father, we certainly don't choose what happens in life. And many times things come into life that are unplanned. I did notice earlier that Bud and Lorraine weren't in Sunday school, and it just crossed my mind as to where they may be. We entrust Lorraine to you. Whatever is taking place in her physical body, we would desire that you might work in a profitable way. We ask, we don't demand. We would surrender that to you. To work in light of your will, your power, I pray that you might encourage both Bud and Lorraine at this time, along with others in the family, May this be an opportunity where your spirit works in and through them. May we be a body as we have in the past in so many people's lives 
reach out to be an encouragement and a blessing to them. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I was mentioning if someone came to you, but before I go back to that, let me ask you a question. You can give me an honest response. How did I respond to Bud motioning to me to come back? How did you read my response? Knew something was happening? Was I upset that my sermon was being interrupted? Did I have time to think about my response? That's what I'm talking about. Much in life, we don't have time to think about a response. And as we're remaining and abiding in Christ, he produces a response in us in the spur of the moment. So someone comes up to you, and you can see that this may not be a nice encounter. And they're in your face, literally, about something you did. Now, whether you're in Christ and walking with him is going to be evident by your response. Versus... You want to tell me more? You want to explain more? An incident happened in my life one time, a number of years ago, where an individual who was very angry confronted me. Size-wise, he was quite a bit bigger than me, but he was very angry in confronting me. I had no time to think about my response. And I think I'm safe to say If the Spirit of God had not worked in me, and I'd been not walking in the Spirit, letting Christ work through me, I probably would have ended up in the hospital. Because if I had responded angrily in any way, he probably would have decked me. See, I can't live the Christian life. As I get up in the morning and as I live throughout the day, thoughts go through my mind, I can't live the Christian life. It's Christ in me. Jesus said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Now go to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul talks about this relationship we have with God through Christ. And in chapter 1, in verse 3, he says... Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The balance of chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 basically list those blessings. But what has he done? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Can't get any more. He's given them all. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given us in the one he loves. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. And Paul goes on to list other items that we have in Christ. And then when you get to chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Now live worthy of your calling. Heavenly calling, given all that we need in Christ. But it's in Christ, it's not in us. Someone comes to you and says, I've hurt you. Will you forgive me? And they have hurt you severely and deeply. It's a good thing to have this go through your mind. I can't. But Christ is at work in me. I will. I can't forgive. It's Christ in me. You love a difficult believer. Someone who has just been difficult to love and really care for. And you think, we're just opposites. We don't get along in a lot of ways. And you say, I can't love them. And God says, good. I know you can't. But as you look at me and you look at Christ, and the Spirit of God is at work in you, you can through Christ. See, that's God working in and through us. A fellow student at school is abusive to you verbally and you respond gently. That's Christ in you at work. You're sitting at the computer and the temptation is I don't want to go to that website that's not good. I've been there too often. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And you think, I can't stop myself. But it's Christ at work in me. Through Christ, I can live. I can respond. And I will get up and walk away from the computer. So much, if we're not careful of the Christian life, we're told that just try a little harder. The enemy says, try a little harder. No, stop trying and rely on Christ and what he has done. It's not of me. It's not of you. It's of Christ. So the person comes along and they hurt you for the eighth time. And you think, you know, this is number eight. Well, number one, you probably shouldn't keep records. (laughs) Well, you think it's number eight. You say, God, I can't respond correctly. God says, I know you can't but through Christ at work in you, you can. Christ produces real, genuine character in us as we walk with him. So tomorrow morning I will get up. And one of the first things that I will do is to say, God, I can't live the Christian life today. I can't love Ruth Ann. I can't respond to the situations that I will face today. It's Christ. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ in me. It's his power that enables it to happen. He has blessed me 
with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. He's redeemed me. He has forgiven me. And then the Spirit produces responses throughout the day. See, the enemy says, you can live the Christian life in your own strength. No, you can't. It's Christ at work in you. Another lie that the enemy tempts us to believe because he gets us and tempts us to doubt. He tempts us to believe and present a biblical view, or present a view, rather, of men and women that undermines the biblical teaching on manhood and womanhood. So in a couple years, Tristan comes up to Liran and says, Liran, Dad, what is a man? Liran says, hmm, what is a man? Tristan says, I, you should know, you're a man, aren't you? What is a real man? A few years down the road, Ashley comes up to Karen and says, Karen, no, I'll soon be moving out of the house, getting married. What is a woman? Can you tell me, what is a woman? How would you answer that question? If you're a guy, how would you answer, what is a man? If some teenager came up and asked you. If you're a woman, some young gal came up to you and said, what is a woman? How would you respond? Let's take our Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. The enemy tempts us to believe lies about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Genesis 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now part of being a man and part of being a woman is to be created in the image of God. So Liron says, Tristan, you have been created in the image of God And because you're created in the image of God, you have a will to be creative. So Karen says, Ashley, part of being a woman is that you're created in the image of God. You need other people to display the image of God. Because God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. In chapter 2 and verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to put put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from every tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. 
Then in verse 18, the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, if you stop there, and we are not going to go into this in any detail this morning, Lee Ron would say, Tristan, part of being a man in light of Scripture is to display some leadership. The command was given to Adam to care for the garden. And Karen says, Ashley, part of being a woman is to be a suitable helper for your husband. Let's look at chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we meet fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the trees tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave also to her hus- some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Leron says, Tristan, Part of being a man is not to be passive, like Adam was, and to let your wife fall into sin. Karen says, Ashley, part of being a woman is to let your husband keep you on track. You're a helper. See, the serpent came to Eve, not to Adam. Did you ever stop and consider what a distorted view of manhood and womanhood has done in our world today? Now, we in our culture have the idea that we're to be dating. We date to get married. Now, did you ever think about the purpose of dating? Isn't the average mindset of dating to get a mate? So I dated Ruth Ann for three years. And what did I get? A wife. So if my thinking was I'm dating to get a wife, my entire three years of dating was doing things to please her to get her. Well, now I got her. But my pattern of life was to get. Part of being a godly man is not to get. It is to give. Christ so loved the church that He gave Himself. So if I've been practicing giving while I dated Ruth Ann, we get married and I say, oh, by God's grace, God gave me a bride and I'm to continue to give to her as Christ gave to the church. That changes the whole perspective. But if I've been giving, or I'm sorry, getting, having my mindset of getting for three years, that influences how I deal with marriage. Marriage is not about my getting from my wife. Marriage is about my giving to my wife to be like Christ. See, that goes back to manhood and how we think about a biblical view 
of manhood. Think about another example. <clears throat> In our culture, women are basically seen as sex symbols, you know, used to be used by men to satisfy men. That's why we have human trafficking of women that are sold into basically slavery. A woman is to be a helper, a companion, and in the context of marriage, one who is loved and cared for by a father or a husband. And in the context of marriage, as Christ cares for the church. So that changes how we view things. A distorted view of womanhood and manhood is evident in our culture with what we call sexual abuse. If I ask you to raise hands this morning, and I'm not going to, how many of you have experienced, or someone in your family experienced sexual abuse? You would probably be surprised at how many hands went up. That goes back to believing a lie concerning what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. A doubt of God's design. This is true of guys, maybe more than gals, but from what I read and so on, it's true of both, but probably more true of men. We'll sit down and turn on the computer and go to websites that portray women in an incorrect manner. So it goes back to a view of manhood and womanhood. A man is to protect women, not use them. See, so it goes back again to the biblical view. The enemy will lure us pull us away from that which is God's design. I won't expect an answer from this, but Bill and Carlene, don't answer me, just asking you. Have you ever had a squabble in your years of marriage? Alan and Peg, have you ever had a squabble in your years of marriage? Think about manhood and womanhood. Marriage is not two people competing. It's two people complementing. You make a decision in marriage. You as a wife has one view, you as a husband have another view, and you end up butting heads. God designed you to think differently, to respond differently, so that you complement one another in that decision. My wife is going to think of things that I never think of. And I'm going to think of things that she would never think of. And as you blend them together, we're complementing. That's the role of a woman. That's the role of a man. But what do we, we're tempted to fight. Oh, you think that. You don't think like I do. 
No. A woman don't think like a man. God forbid that they do. We got enough of men that think that way. We men don't think like women. God forbid that. We did. God designed a complement. So it goes back to biblical view of manhood and womanhood. But the enemy wants to whisper in our ears and say, the man has all the answers. He gave a wife to compliment to be a helper. Well, my guy is just a passive bump on the log. If I don't do it, it won't ever get done. I'll do it. No. Compliment one another. It goes back to the enemy who seeks to distort God's design. The enemy's a master, but remember, he's been defeated through Christ. We don't need to play into his tricks. We can go to Scripture. We can let the Spirit of God work in us. We can realize all that we have in Christ and more and more live a life of victory. In Colossians chapter 3, just listen as I read several verses. Let the, wor- or, uh, let the peace of Christ ruin your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Music plays a vital role in the body of Christ. And as Chris comes to play, and I think he's playing Amazing Grace, Let the Spirit of God minister to you as we act on what Scripture says. We seek to encourage and build one another up. Chris? 